Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of November 30th through December the 6th. Hope that you're all doing well out there today. Uh, I am recording this on Friday, November the 27th, the day after Thanksgiving here in America. And I hope that you all had a safe holiday, uh, even though we weren't really operating under ideal circumstances. There's plenty to find gratitude for, I think. Um, so yeah, we'll, uh, we're exploring an eclipse this week. We've got an eclipse at eight degrees of Gemini, a full moon lunar eclipse that we will break down. Um, we have uh, Mercury moving into the sign of Sagittarius. Uh, Mercury is also going to be coming into an Antitia with both Saturn and Jupiter like the sun did last week, so we'll talk about that a bit. Uh, Venus will be making some conjunctions to a few important fixed stars, including Acrux and Alfeca. And we're going to see a really interesting conjunction with the sun and the fixed star Antares this week, which is one of the four royal stars of Persia that has quite a bit of mythology associated with it uh, in the tradition. So we'll, we'll talk about that. That happens on Tuesday. And then we're going to finish our week up with a Venus-Neptune trine. So those are the big hits of the week, um, big chapter markers, big uh, culminations this week. So we will see if we can get, all, get it all uh, contextualized for you. So let's move over to the planetary condition report and see what we can see. All right. Yeah, I hope that you're all doing well out there. I'm a little, I don't know, have a little bit of the post-Thanksgiving sleepies. <laughs> we had a we had a nice little feast, even though we we didn't really visit uh, extended family other than on Zoom due to you know some of the things that are going on in society with COVID and trying to be extra cautious and whatnot. And we had some nice conversations with family, but a nice meal here at home. Uh, we did the best we could with what we had, and um, yeah, I think that that one of the keys with 2020 is when we we have things that are when we get stripped down to the bare essentials, we really start to appreciate what we have in our life and what what is necessary and what isn't, and that really is a gift. And I've been really uh, grateful for that in in 2020, um, being able to become clear as to what really matters in life, and I think that's something that I've been taking with me through this, this week and this holiday season. Uh, and this is something that we can talk about with the sun moving through Sagittarius, which generally brings some optimism to our, to our minds and to our hearts and to our spirits. Uh, the sun will be moving through 8 to 15 degrees of Sagittarius this week, where it has triplicity dignity uh, of the fire signs by day. It will be moving fast, and it will conjoin the fixed star Antares at 10 degrees of Sagittarius. We'll talk about the second decan of Sagittarius as well once we get to Tuesday, December the 1st. The sun will be moving through the terms of Jupiter from 0 to 12 degrees, and then the terms of Venus from 12 to 17 degrees. It will be co-present with Mercury once it moves into Sagittarius, and it is making a trine to Mars and Aries. The host of the sun this week is... Jupiter in Capricorn, um, where it is in an aversion relationship to right now. Uh, a, it's kind of a, a it's having a difficult time uh, receiving some of the, the resources from Jupiter. 
And Jupiter itself is in a position where it's fairly depressed and isn't able to do its best work. So we may be wanting to move forward towards our goals, um, but the, the resources that we have to work with may be compromised. And that's something we're going to have to uh, reconcile and come to terms with as we try to figure out where we're heading in the days and months and years ahead. And remember, this is all building up to a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction on the winter solstice, which is a, a, a giant chapter marker as far as our collective ideals, our collective goals, our collective agreements that we have as far as how we're going to set up society and what we value. So um, we are building to that. Uh, Saturn this week is going to be uh, moving through Capricorn. It is at about 28 degrees Capricorn this week. It is fast in motion. It is in its own domicile and in the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees. It is co-present with Jupiter. It is making a uh, overcoming square to Mars and Aries, and it will be receiving a sextile from Venus and Mercury while Mercury is still in Scorpio. Now, these are whole sign uh, Ptolemaic aspects with the seven traditional planets that we're talking about with uh with our aspect doctrine that we do in the planetary condition report. So I will only talk about the outer planets if there's an exact aspect that happens with one of those. So if you're wondering about that, uh, Saturn is in its own domicile, so it has access to all its own resources. Saturn's preparing though to move into Aquarius, um, which should be an improvement. Saturn uh, is, is said to joy in Aquarius because it is of the diurnal sect and which means that it does better in a, in a masculine gendered sign uh, because it is able to be kind of some of its cold and dark qualities are mitigated by being in a uh, the solar sect. So think about it like this, like you've got a really, uh, a really chilly, frigid, dark, depressed planet, and it's going to ba be balanced out a little bit by being in a sign that is more associated with the sun. So we may be coming out of our caves a little bit to establish order uh, on a societal level rather than on this personal level that we've been working on. Um, I think we've been all getting a, a heavy dose of who are we and what needs to go and what needs to stay as far as our own personal lives are concerned. And as Saturn and then Jupiter move into Aquarius, we're going to probably be asking ourselves these questions much more intensely about uh, how we are going to deal with these types of issues as a collective. So you see a lot of changes with laws and, and uh, fighting for equality and things of that nature when Saturn moves into Aquarius. So we'll keep our eyes peeled for that and keep talking about that in the months, weeks, and years ahead. Jupiter this week is going to be moving uh, through Capricorn from 25 to 27 degrees. It is fast in motion and it is in its fall or its depression. So when Jupiter is in a sign of or a house of Saturn, it, it is a, a place that is very unlike its nature. One of the things that I've talked about with Robert Schmidt when he describes signs um, so they are like temples or like places where different actions will take place, different topics that we experience in our life. But when a, a sign is housing a planet, uh, the planet becomes 
uh, more like that sign and or more like the planet that it it is the host of or or the planet that is hosting it that's what i'm meaning to say fumbling through my words but so jupiter is becoming more saturn like in the the sign of capricorn and that is very different than what jupiter wants to do jupiter wants to create abundance it wants to create uh hope it wants to create um it wants to bridge gaps instead of being uh, cast into exile or or abandoned which are some of the significations or themes that we see come up that saturn can represent abandonment deprivation consolidation all of those things are almost opposite to jupiter nature so jupiter is a little bit um its light is dampened a little bit so that that condition is going to improve as well as jupiter moves into aquarius out of its fall and into more of a i would say a slightly more neutral position i don't think that jupiter necessarily enjoys being in aquarius because it is still a saturn ruled sign but it is heated up a little bit by the being in a day sect and some of those um, more challenging significations of Saturn are, are mitigated and Jupiter can kind of do a little bit more of its hopeful uh, externalized type of action. Jupiter is going to be moving through the terms of Saturn this week from 22 to 26 degrees and then moving into the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees. It will be moving into an Antitia relationship with Mercury, I believe, on the 3rd of December, which is Thursday. So we're going to see um, kind of the secret conjunction between Mercury and Jupiter. And some of the themes we're going to see coming up this week is a plethora of options and really needing to pare down our options so we can move forward towards our chosen uh, missions towards our chosen goals, towards our chosen things that bring us enthusiasm and get us really fired up for pursuing. Um, so this is something where we may have to, you know, experience all of those different options so that we can finally make a choice. And that's really going to be some of the, the the main things we're going to be working through at this eclipse, I think, is is really making a choice about what we want to put our energy and our attention and our focus towards. Okay, the uh, Jupiter will be co-present with Saturn in, in Capricorn, its host. Uh, it will be making an overcoming square to Mars and Aries in sextiling Venus and Mercury in Scorpio. Mars this week will be in Aries, moving from 16 to 18 degrees of Aries. It is our slow planet right now. The, the moon and uh, Mars will start the week off slow. The moon will pick up speed to become fast by the end of the week, but Mars is still trying to, to gain speed after its retrograde motion. Um, it is in its own domicile. It will be in the terms of Mercury from 12 to 20 degrees. Uh, it will be receiving an overcoming square from Saturn and Jupiter. Uh, it will be making a trine to the sun in Sagittarius and then Mercury once Mercury moves into Sagittarius. So, um, we're going to see Mars will probably get a little bit of a reprieve once Jupiter and Saturn move out of Capricorn and into Aquarius, because then we'll have a, a sextile relationship between those planets instead of this overcoming square that's really slowing everything down and making it difficult to, to take action 
that is individually motivated, uh, the action that we are desperately seeking to take to create individuation and to separate ourselves from the collective or from the herd or from, uh, you know, I don't know, some sort of community so we can um, become what we want to become, the new start, the new individual, so we can incorporate uh, our individual essence into a, a physical vehicle, which is some of the themes that we can think about with Venus and Taurus. So it's coming. You just have to be patient. I know this has been a long year and everybody's really kind of probably at their limit as far as their patience and their delayed gratification is concerned. But I really do feel like we are getting close to being over the hump. Um, you know, as far as COVID stuff goes, we've got vaccines that are in the works that uh, should be uh, rolling out soon. Um, so that should start to, to move things forward a little bit. We've got a new presidential administration coming in. Uh, that should start to change some things. So things are starting to move forward. Um, I don't think it's going to be the same as it was before. And, and I don't know if that would even be what we would want. I think that hopefully 2020 has shown us what is necessary and what isn't as far as uh, what we want as a, as a collective and as a society. And um, we're going to be working through that for many years to come. I don't think it's we just automatically know what we should or shouldn't do or what we want to manifest, but uh, we're going to be in that process and it's going to require patience, but also action and also, uh, you know, a lot of reflection. Um, I think that thinking about what is best for the whole, what is best for everyone rather than best for a select few, what is best for your community versus what is your um, selfish desire. I think this is something that I've observed lately um, is I'm constantly surprised as to how, uh, I don't know, how I guess the word I'm looking for is, in, is entitled. I feel that there's a, a, an enormous sense of entitlement in, especially in the United States, that I, I uh, have difficulty relating to and difficulty understanding and difficulty supporting. Um, I think that uh, it's, it's showing me that there is a large portion of our population here that uh, even with faced with uh, the prospect of potentially death and the death of their community members or their family members still feel that they are entitled to do whatever they want. And that is something that is, uh, makes me very sad. And uh, I don't know how we move forward with that. And if you know, I don't know if, if, if I have listeners that feel that way, I, I'm not sure how we bridge that gap uh, with each other. Um, I, guess the, I guess the key would be to continue um, to have a conversation with one another and maybe try to listen to each other's perspective. I will say this. I think that um, people uh, suffer and are struggling in a lot of different ways. And we react to it in a lot of different ways. And I think a lot of the folks that are um, talking about their freedom and, and talking about, um, you know, potentially being upset with some of the restrictions and having a lack of trust for what they are reading and things of that nature, I think there is a suffering there. That, and that part I can empathize with. Um, I think that everybody's going through some difficult times, and we all have a different way we, we try to 
either rationalize that suffering or that pain or deal with it or react to it. Sometimes it's through anger. Sometimes it's through sadness. Sometimes it's through resignation. And and I think all of those reactions uh, we can validate on some level. Um, I guess my plea for the people that may disagree with me on some of this is I do think it is important to try to think about your community. And I do think it's very important to um, think about the collective at this point. What what we are moving towards with the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in air signs now, and especially in the sign of Aquarius, is putting aside some of our own individual desires for the good of the whole. And I know that that's a tough ask because it feels like we've been asked to give up so much. And in some regards, uh, some of that is completely unfair. And I I can support a lot of people that feel that uh, they've been asked to give up too much and the system is not fair. I I agree with you on that. Um, But I do think that it is important for all of us to kind of come try, at at least attempt to come together to figure out how we're going to build a society that works for everyone. And that where everyone feels safe and protected and, and is able to uh, get along. I think that's, the, that's ultimately the goal of a society is to be able to live in a way that you can kind of go about your business and without hurting other people and, and feeling like you are not being hurt. And people are di- going to disagree on what, what that hurt is. And that, that's, that's legitimate. But again, uh, I mean, this other, the other issue that I feel is really important with this is, you know, things like climate change. Uh, that is an issue where we're going to have to figure out a way to put differences aside and really come to terms with the fact that a lot of the actions we've been taking as a society have been detrimental to our ability to sustain life on this planet moving into the future. And I really think that that's one of the big things we're going to have to start uh, I don't know, um, coming to terms with and taking action on sooner than later. And it's more from a perspective of self-preservation. I think that everybody wants clean air, clean water, um, you know, a place that isn't on fire or, you know, underwater to live. And I think everybody deserves that, but it is going to take an, an effort to, I think, to get back to that point where we're not really uh, feeling that every day there's some new ecological crisis. And I don't know the, the best answers to that. I think that there is uh, some things that need to happen on a, a governmental level. There's things that need to happen on an individual level. There's some things that need to happen with the, some of the people that really do have a lot of power and say within this, like like the people that run many of the factories and corporations that are some of the biggest polluters in the in the world, those folks need to be held accountable, and that those are those are conversations that we need to have moving forward as well. So, um, complicated times that we are living in, and uh, I, I do the best that I can with the information that I have to guide all of you in the the way that is in alignment with my belief system, uh, and hopefully from a somewhat objective perspective. But I will admit that that nobody is one hundred percent objective and. We all are coming from a place of uh, some of our own particular beliefs as well. Um, that being said, let's move forward to Venus. Uh, one of the things that makes you know a consensus difficult is when you have Venus in exile. And uh, 
that is our condition for this week. Venus is moving through 10 to 19 degrees of Scorpio this week, moving fast. It does have some dignity uh, by being the triplicity ruler of the water signs by day. It is also on its own terms from 7 to 11 degrees and then moves into the terms of Mercury from 11 to 19 degrees. It will make an exact trine to Neptune on December the 5th. Venus is going to make a number of fixed star conjunctions this week. Uh, one of the fixed stars is going to be, uh, there are two fixed stars at 12 degrees of Scorpio, Acrux and Alfeca. And then we will see Venus making conjunctions with two of the, uh, the I guess, the claws of the scorpion or the pan of the scales, Zubin el Janubi and Zubin el Shamali. Uh, so that's at 19 and or 15 and 19 degrees, respectively. Venus will be making a conjunction with Mercury and Scorpio and a sextile with Saturn and Jupiter in Capricorn. Its host this week will be Mars in Aries, and it is in an aversion relationship to it, although we have that, that secondary kind of relationship called lichen girding, where Mars is, is in a sign that and providing for a sign that it rules in Scorpio and Aries. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can uh, find some common ground with Mercury, or I'm sorry, with Venus in Scorpio, but it sometimes it's more difficult. Sometimes we feel a little bit more divided and it's hard to come to a, a consensus and we get really fixated in our, on our respective opinions and our respective signs and our sides of where we fall on some of these issues. Um, but yeah, uh, one thing I will say about Venus in, in um, Scorpio is I've noticed lately my own, in my own uh, life an attraction to campy type of things, a campy aesthetic. And I've seen some other astrologers talk about this too with the camp type of thing. And camp is sort of like art that is ironic or is, is like bad, but so bad that it's good. Um, and I think with Venus in its exile, we've, we're finding a, an attraction to things that are outside of societal's norms, um, outside of the, the beaten path of things that we normally find attractive. Like here's an example. Uh, you know, I grew up in the, in the 80s and 90s. And, you know, when I was a kid, the music that was on the radio was a lot of like, trashy hair metal <laughs> like it was some of it was really terrible lyrics were terrible like the, the what they're wearing was terrible but i liked it and uh i think that um you know when the even though it's like the cheesiest campiest thing i've noticed that when venus moves into scorpio uh somehow some way uh hair metal takes uh, makes an appearance again I think the last time that this was happening and going retrograde, I, I wrote an article about um, Venus in Scorpio and used this like, uh, oh, what was it? There was like this Swedish um, band, Europe. You remember the final countdown? And they did their own version of like Live Aid to raise money for AIDS or something like that back in the 80s with all these like, hair metal singers and it was every one of them was trying to like outdo the other so it was like they were coming together venus but it was so competitive they were trying to like you know scream each other under the table <laughs> it was i just thought it was so funny and such a a representation of this energy and 
you know, recently I just was showing uh, my daughter some of these old videos, like uh, bands like Firehouse, Skid Row, and uh, what were some other ones that we were looking at? I I was showing her the band Extreme uh, with more than words, just so that I could show her Jack Black's very hilarious version that he did that was basically shot for shot with um, Jimmy Fallon. If you haven't seen that, I would highly recommend checking it out because it's hilarious and Jack Black is a national treasure. So um, yeah, (laughs) that's my side note with Venus and Scorpio and um, the camp factor, which I find entertaining. All right, let's talk about Mercury. Mercury is an important player in in our week. Um, it, it starts off in the sign of Scorpio, moves from 27 to 30 degrees uh, before it changes sign into Sagittarius on December the 1st. It will be moving fast in motion, and it will be conjoining the fixed star Ptolemon at 29 degrees of Scorpio. It is peregrine in Scorpio, and it will be in the terms of Saturn from 24 to 30 degrees. In Scorpio, it'll be co-present with Mer- with uh, Venus and Venus, and it will be sextiling Saturn and Jupiter and Capricorn. Uh, the host of Mercury when it is in Scorpio will be Mars and Aries. It's in that in aversion slash liking girding relationship. Now, once Mercury moves into Sagittarius, we get quite a shift. Uh, Mercury will be moving from zero to eight degrees of Sagittarius starting on November uh, December the first. It'll still be fast in motion, but it moves into its exile. So it, it, it's going to have a similar type of, I guess, camp relationship, uh, a little bit of outside the norm type of expression. Um, it will also have dignity by face in the first decan of Sagittarius. And it's going to be coming into an Antitia with Saturn on the second and with Jupiter on the third. Um, it will be in the terms of Jupiter from 0 to 12 degrees, co-present with the sun, and then making a trine to Mars and Aries. Its host then becomes Jupiter and Capricorn, where it, it becomes a, it still is in an aversion relationship. Now, we've talked about two different types of aversions in this show. Um, the one that is on either side of a sign was sort of associated more with Mercury, like a destabilization of that host and that relationship planet, that guest host relationship. When it's on either side of an opposition, it was supposed to be, and this is according to Thema Mundi relationships, the theoretical natal chart of the world, uh, to be more Saturnian, where the, the planet is just turned away completely from that planet. And it's basically not even hearing its case in court, where like if uh, a planet was in a version on either side of the, you know, conjunction, I guess you could say, uh, it's sort of like you're, you know, there is, it's still waiting to be heard, or it's, it's destabilized in some way, uh, or it's, we're, we're becoming aware that we need to do it, but it's just not, it hasn't come to fruition yet, okay? So Mercury in Sagittarius is uh, a little bit of a, you know, a salesman type of experience, where we're trying to convince someone of our beliefs and convince someone of our point of view. So instead of really having our good listening ears on with, with Mercury and Sagittarius, we could be just dominating a conversation and find it very difficult to ask the right type of questions. One of the dangers with Mercury and Sagittarius is feeling like we already know everything and that we, are, we don't need to hear another perspective. So be careful of that if you get into conversations where you feel that you're right and, and uh, 
it's it becomes more difficult for you to uh, to hear the other person. Now, one of the advantages of this is that you, if you really do need to convince somebody of something, your enthusiasm might be contagious. So, if you really do believe something with every, you know, fabric of your being, uh, the way to to potentially win someone over to your side uh, would be through optimism, enthusiasm, uh, through showing the benefits of something, showing the benefits of that position rather than, uh, you know, tearing down someone else's position. So that, that might be the way to use this. If you really truly believe in something that you think other people should, should believe in, show them what is good about it rather than why they are wrong for feeling the way that they do. That might be a way to deal with this in a, in a, in a healthier fashion. All right, let's move forward to the moon. The moon this week is starting off uh, becoming full and also going to be eclipsed. So we have a full moon lunar eclipse on the 30th. Uh, so that moon will be co-present with uh, Rahu, the north node, the severed head of the demon or the dragon that is hungry for the elixir of immortality, uh, but never can be satisfied. So we, we may have some desires that, that, go un, that are unquenchable this week, and we have to figure out how to, to work through that. Uh, the moon will start off slow, but it'll, it'll speed up by the end of the week. It is peregrine in Gemini, but then it will move into its own domicile in Cancer and have dignity in the third face of Cancer. It will then be peregrine in the sign of Leo and gain some triplicity dignity in the sign of Virgo, uh, which is the triplicity ruler of the earth signs at night. Okay, that is the planetary condition for the week. Let's take a look at the chart for the days, for the days ahead. Monday, we start off with a pretty, a pretty busy day on Monday. Pretty busy day. All right, on Monday, November the 30th, uh, the moon's going to start off in Gemini. We are, are building uh, very early in the morning to a full moon lunar eclipse. And uh, we will also be seeing a sextile between Mercury and Saturn. So let's talk about eclipse season. Um, oh, yeah, there's I was almost missed these. There will be a sextile between the moon and Mars at 9.12 p.m., and a square from the moon to Neptune at 11.21 p.m. So there are a few lunar aspects besides the eclipse. Um, but let's break down that eclipse, because that's our big news of the week, and, and really the beginning of a, a series of changes that will be important as we move ahead. So let's put the chart right on the eclipse, okay? And here we are, fairly close enough. So the eclipse is going to happen at about uh, 8 degrees, 8 degrees of Gemini, okay, at about 4.29 a.m. Eastern time. Okay, there we go. And uh, so this is, we're, we need to talk about the difference between Gemini and Sagittarius and what, what are the things that are going to be challenged here. So eclipses generally happen uh, in pairs or in threes, once every six, roughly once every six months or so. You have an eclipse happen when you have uh, either a full moon or a new moon very close 
to one of the nodes of the moon. In this case, the, the, the full moon will be conjoining the north node or Rahu in uh, Hindu mythology or astrology. Um, and that is going to be important for breaking down what we are going to be talking about with the eclipse. Now, eclipses have been thought of many different ways. Um, they were thought of as, as chapter markers. They were thought of as, as, you know, supercharged new moons or supercharged full moons. In this case, it's a full moon. So it's a culmination. It's a, it's an ending. It is the, everything that's coming to fruition potentially from what we've been dealing with maybe six months ago. And, you know, so many years ago, there, there are all these meta cycles that eclipses can be a part of. But in this case, we're, we're seeing, you know, the fruition of things that may have been started uh, around June uh, and seeing the culmination of that. Um, so one of the things that we're looking at is let's, we'll explore the decans that we're, we're trying to reconcile. But eclipses in general uh, happen where uh, the light of one of the moon or the sun is basically shut off. And the, myth, the mythos around this in the, in the Vedic system was that there was a, a demon, okay, either Rahu or Ketu, the head or the body of, of a great dragon that was swallowing the light of the moon or the sun. And in this case, the light of the moon is going to be swallowed up and basically shut off. And so we could see the ending of, of forms because the, the moon is associated with material form. Um, and where is the moon trying to manifest? Well, in Gemini, the, the sign of choice. If we look at our tarot, we've got the sun in the first decan of Sagittarius, which is associated with the eight of wands, and the moon in the first decan of Gemini associated with the eight of swords. We have motion and bondage. Okay, we have the ability to move towards a goal. And then we have the paralysis uh, from potentially from uh, too many choices, from our awareness of duality. That was one of the associations with the first decan of Gemini. Austin Coppock calls it the apple of Eden, where, you know, when Eve took a bite of the apple and was then thrust into the knowledge of good and evil of day and night, male and female, all the, the, the opposites that we experience on this material realm. And one of the things that we're going to probably be doing, I would my guess with this, is that we're going to have to start making a choice. We may feel a little overwhelmed, and I, I can tell you from experience, I'm feeling this as we lead up to this eclipse. I'm feeling like I have a lot of different choices. I, I bought a, a number of books, and I'm was struggling today figuring out which book I wanted to start reading first. You know, it's like I had an abundance of choice and, and figuring out how that fits into the ultimate goal, the unified uh, goal based on a higher purpose that I want to, to do moving forward. Like the questions I, I'm asking are, how does this knowledge that I'm trying to gain fit into maybe potentially classes that I want to teach? Uh, how does it fit into these shows that I'm doing here as far as uh, helping uh, folks understand the astrology of the week and of the month and some of the concepts? So it's, I think that some of the themes we're going to be experiencing is how does what we want to learn fit into the greater picture 
of what we are trying to do with our lives and the greater goals that we have. Now, we have to look at the hosts of the moon and the sun to get a little bit more of a picture of what's happening. So the host of the sun, this eclipse is going to be that fallen Jupiter. So we have to be careful that we are not just trying to move towards a goal that is materially motivated or based on hubris. This was a theme that I wanted to talk about this week too, is the, the theme of hubris. And hubris is basically the idea that, that humans know better than the gods. And that was one of the, the, the most egregious uh, sins in many religious traditions, including ancient Greece. Uh, so basically the, that most of the punishments that we see in Greek mythology and, and theology were from some kind of uh, human being or some kind of being uh, thinking that they know better than the divine will or divine law and then suffering the consequences of that, whether they are natural consequences or some kind of being smoked by some kind of deity. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because I think that it's one of the things I've been experiencing lately um, is witnessing quite a bit of, of hubris, um, especially in the country that I live in. And I, it's like I said, it, that's difficult for me to relate to. Now, I will, I will admit that, and I will be careful not to commit the same sin of hubris and thinking that I know better than everyone or that I know better than, than the gods. Um, I think that part of the humility that I'm trying to have with this process is by really reading the symbols and trying to do what that planet is asking of me at this moment. And using my own experience and my own heart to guide me to what that means as far as manifesting. And uh, I think that a lot of the, the astrology of 2020 has been very loudly speaking towards being humble with what we are doing, with the necessity, okay, of being more distant, of being uh, taking things slow of thinking about the collective, of thinking about how we can uh, protect one another. Uh, and, and that has guided me to take the actions that I have taken, those actions being uh, basically sheltering in place since March. Um, I've, I haven't really gone anywhere uh, outside of a four or five block radius. Uh, my partner does the grocery shopping and stuff like that. And I've basically stayed home, but I go for walks every once in a while. And when I do, I wear a mask. And I strongly believe that that is an important part of helping to keep my family and others safe. And that's motivated not only just from my own experience, uh, from, you know, science. Okay, this is another thing. Like, just because we can respect science and respect people who have, uh, you know, spent their entire lives devoted to trying to keep people safe. This is what I can't understand. Now, I know I'm running the risk of getting more feedback from people who disagree with me by talking about this, but I, I actually just can't understand why this is such a, a hot topic for people. But, but people like Anthony Fauci, for example, uh, he's dedicated his entire life to um, preventing the spread of, of contagious disease. 
that's that's what his entire life's work has been a part of. And his advice has been to socially be socially distant, uh, that helps can uh, slow the spread of these types of things. And for the life of me, I, I just can't understand the position that other people have of denouncing, you know, science, the scientists. That doesn't mean that, that uh, we have to agree with everything that everyone says. I think that one of the challenges we've seen over the course of history is this conflict between religion or spirituality and science. And my personal belief is that it doesn't have to be a conflict. Uh, you can believe in science and you can believe in the scientific method and you can believe what in um, you know, some of the data that is collected with that and still be a spiritual person and still have faith and still pray and be a ritualistic person. All of those things don't necessarily have to be in conflict. And, and that, that's something that I think is going to hopefully be important as we move forward. It's, I'm reminded of a story that has come up in, in uh, I believe it's in, uh, in Islam, when they, they talk about a man who had a camel and, and uh, his friend, they, also, they, they had these two camels. And the, 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 the phrase goes, the parable goes, pray to Allah, but tether your camel. Okay. And, and, and the story, the basic version of it is that the, the, um, uh, well, I'm probably going to butcher it, but, uh, these two men were stopping for the night in the des in the desert at, at like an inn or something like that. And they had forgotten to, to tether the camel or something like that. And one of them was like, we should go out and tether the camel or, or something. And the other one was like, oh, Allah will take care of it, right? And, and convinced him not to do it. And, the, and when they woke up, the camels were gone. And, and they saw, a, you know, a wise man. And he's like, well, you know, they told him the story. And they're like, the wise man was like, you know, you pray to Allah, but you've got to tether your camel, which is basically like, you can get uh, guidance from the divine, but you have to take an action here in the physical world. And I think that that's kind of uh, what we're dealing with when we are trying to balance and bridge that that divide. And I have uh, many friends who have, have really dealt with this illness and been very close or had loved ones that were very close to, uh, to death and firsthand experience. So I, I really, um, and I don't want to make this all about this, but I get pretty upset when I see people that are constantly going down the uh, conspiracy theory rabbit hole and trying to tell me that I'm uh, I need to quote unquote wake up because I don't uh, believe their their YouTube conspiracy theory. Uh, to tell me that you know more than uh, many of the world's leading scientists because you quote unquote did your own research with a few YouTube uh, uh, channel videos to me is is the ultimate hubris and makes me very upset. So I I think that. It's, it's amazing that we still have to have this argument, but um, yeah, that's how I feel about it. So if you are some of those folks that have listened to my podcast and have been giving that type of feedback, I can't state it any stronger than that. Um, 
because that is the reality. And yeah, let's move forward. <laughs> oh boy, what times we live in. Okay, let's talk more about this lunar eclipse. I just had to get that off my chest because it's it's been bothering me. And um, I still care about all of you. And I, I hope that we can uh, still move forward. But um, it makes me really sad. It makes me really sad to hear that that people are getting so fixated in those, those uh, positions and those beliefs that they are putting other people in danger. So anyway, uh, so back to Eclipse Talk. Um, again, we're going to be eliminating options to move forward. We do have a sextile from Mars in Aries to this eclipse, so that does seem to figure prominently. I was seeing that uh, another astrologer friend I had, um, Mr. S.J. Anderson, was talking about the uh, this eclipse is in the, uh, let's see what we've got here. I believe it is in uh, the, the sun was in, no, okay, here, no, this is what it was. Mercury, the, the ruler of the moon is in the terms of Mars or the triplicity of Mars here, sorry, triplicity of Mars. And then we had the sun, which was ruled by Jupiter and Jupiter is in the terms of Mars. So Mars is, is able to give testimony to this particular uh, full moon. Uh, so we should see some martial tendencies with this full moon as well. Now, one of the things that we're going to be seeing is, is Mercury is going to be making a sextile to Saturn at 2 p.m. at 28 degrees of Scorpio and Capricorn. Now, this these two positions uh, in the final degrees of Scorpio and the final degrees of Capricorn definitely speak to uh, letting go of things. And because this Mercury is going to be making a positive um, a positive connection to Saturn. This is where, where we're putting old beliefs, we're putting old thought forms, and we're putting them to rest. So if, if, if we've, and all of us have different illusions that we have been living under, but if, if you've been living under some kind of illusion or delusion or something has proven to be true, if there is evidence to, to the contrary of some kind of belief that you may have been carrying with you, this is a good time to let go of it. And this can apply to many different circumstances. Sometimes we have to let go of old beliefs and old thoughts so that we can move forward with our lives. Uh, sometimes we have to give up things that we feel like we're entitled to to move forward uh, with, with the collective good. Um, so that's what I think we're going to be seeing with Monday the 30th. And this is all helping us build up to a new moon solar eclipse, which is a, a huge new start that is going to be you know, very close to the, uh, the south node, okay, K2, on December the 14th. The only th other thing we're seeing on Monday here is Mercury is going to be conjoining the fixed star Ptolemon, which is part of the constellation Centaurus, which was the right foot of Chiron. Um, so this may be where we're talking about some kind of wound that we have that is unhealed. Um, Ptolemon means hereafter. Uh, we may be communicating some kind of wisdom, or uh, it was associated also with a Greek goddess, Serket, 
who wore the crown of the scorpion. And it was, uh, there's a quote attributed to that. It says, she who causes the throat to breathe. So that could be either in reference to getting stung by the scorpion and, and maybe not being able to breathe. Or there was this, uh, which, which could echo the Chiron wound. Or this could be associated with um, a water scorpion, which is kind of like a water, a water insect that looked like it was breathing when it was moving. So there was some associations with that. All right, so that's what we've got for Monday the 30th and this eclipse. Uh, yeah, be, be gentle with yourselves during eclipse day. Not a good day to, uh, you know, charge up crystals or do, you know, magical works or things like that. This is a good day to uh, close your blinds. <laughs> Don't look at the eclipse. Um, there are some great ritual practices that you can do that I've learned from uh, Sphere and Sundry, which is the Caitlin Coppock's website. She talks has some really good instructions on if you want to uh, propitiate any of these deities or these demons, uh, which are uh, associated with Rahu and Ketu. I believe this is a, Ra a Rahu eclipse. So when you are dealing with Rahu, some of the you can either give him an offering or you can give an offering to the deity that was associated with conquering the demon or the demon slayer. In this case, it would be Durga. Durga, you know, rides on a lion and I think you can offer Durga ghee or lemons or things of that nature. But uh, Caitlin has a really uh, thorough, um, you know, treatment of what to do and what kind of ritual practices to do during eclipses. Uh, one thing I can highly recommend, even if you don't do any of that other stuff, is taking uh, a sea salt bath. And it's important that it's sea salt and not Epsom salt because was believed that sea salt was a purifying thing and it can it, and it can cause the it can kind of uh, make it so that the negative energies of eclipses don't stick to you so it's kind of a cleansing thing and, and a protective thing as well salt has a has always had protective qualities in ritual magic um, so that's something I would really highly recommend take a salt bath relax a little bit try not to schedule anything too intense for these days because it can there, there is trouble that can be stirred up on these eclipses, and, and I'm sure that we'll all have to deal with something. But, uh, you know, again, try to be kind with one another and, and see someone else's perspective if you possibly can. And I will try to do the same. I know I've stated some strong opinions on, on this uh, forecast, but, but uh, again, I, I will acknowledge that everyone has some, some way that they're probably hurting right now and that they're in pain, and, and I, I have empathy and sympathy for that um, and hope that, that you can find some kind of peace. All right, let's move forward to Tuesday. All right, I'm gonna change the, the chart here. Okay, let's take a look. We are on Monday, December the 1st. We have a, a lot of astrology going on on, on uh, oh, I'm sorry, Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesday, December the 1st. We have a lot of astrology going on on Tuesday. Um, so the moon's going to start off in Gemini and then spend most of the day in Gemini. It will escape the bond uh, around zero degrees of cancer, which is very late in the day on Tuesday. 
uh, the, the moon moves into Cancer at 10.32 p.m., so we should see the moon begin to escape the bond later in the evening, Eastern time here. And that's a condition where, you know, we start to get some revelations about what we're doing moving forward with this eclipse energy and what how it may unfold for us. And remember, eclipses don't necessarily, you know, there may not be one event that happens on Monday. This may be part of a, a longer unfolding that, that takes many months to unfold. So be aware that the themes that come up, we may be working with for quite some time. Now, what we're going to be seeing on Tuesday, the first, is Mercury is going to be changing signs into Sagittarius at 2.52 p.m. Uh, the, the sun will also be moving into the second decan of Sagittarius. So we have to talk about kind of two different themes of Sagittarius. Uh, the sun will also be making a conjunction with the fixed star Antares uh, at 10 degrees of Sagittarius, which is a very important fixed star, a very bright star in the constellation of Scorpio is the heart of the scorpion. And we'll talk about that. Venus is making a couple conjunctions to fixed stars, uh, including Acrux, uh, which was part of the cross of matter, and Alfeco, which was the, the northern crown or the crown of flowers uh, in the constellation Corona Borealis. So let's kind of take one thing at a time and, and try to break it down. Let's start with Mercury moving into the first decade of Sagittarius. So this Mercury is now going to be hosted by that fallen Jupiter. Uh, so our opinions may be based on things in the past. They may be based on uh, material desires. So be careful if you're, if you're spreading uh, some kind of belief system that you're really checking in that it is based on uh, your higher self, your higher good, uh, rather than material fears. One of the there's one of the associations with Saturn and anything that is in a Saturnian sign is fear. So we may be espousing some of our beliefs based on fear or things of that nature. Now I will say a little bit of fear is healthy. A little bit of fear is set up to help keep us safe. Um, I think that when we become all consumed by fears, that that can be a problem. I think that it has been difficult not to take action or have thought processes in fear over the course of this year, because things like death seem so close right now. Um, and again, we've had 250,000 people pass in America alone this year. And that's, that is, uh, something that we need to come to terms with. Um, so be careful about getting too fixated on your own belief system and your own perspective with Venus in this, I'm sorry, with Mercury in this particular position. Okay, we can see Mercury is going to be moving into Sagittarius 2.52 p.m. Now that first decan is ruled uh, by Mercury and Jupiter. Okay, so it, it sort of has the appearance of Mercury. So we're trying to become swifty. We're trying to become uh, speedy. So our minds may become fast. We may be firing off opinions. This is the problem. Instead of asking questions, we're going to be making bold statements with Mercury and Sagittarius. And that, that is a problem because that's not necessarily the role that Mercury is designed to take. Mercury is about asking questions. Mercury is about trying to find out new information. And when we think that we have all of the information, 
and we think that we have the answer, that's when we start to make mistakes. And that's when we start to uh, fall prey to that, that, that hubris that is always punished in mythology and in religious tradition and, and in, th- in just life in general. Some of it is common sense. Some of it is, is if we are thinking that we know better than, than everybody in our society, uh, that we will suffer consequences, you know, we will. Uh, if we, you know, for example, if we're trying to cross the street and we uh, say we're going to cross a, a, a busy highway and there is a bridge that is maybe uh, half a mile down the road, or maybe not even, maybe it's even just like 20 yards down the road, but we decide we're going to cross the highway because, you know, we're not going to follow the rules of a society. And some of that is just, just dangerous. You know, you, the, the chance of you getting run over by a car is a lot greater. Whereas if you just take, taken a little bit of time and had a little bit of patience to walk that 20 extra yards, you had a safe crossing. And so, so it's little things like that, where w- there are plenty of things in society that we have to, uh, rules that we have to follow for our own, for our own good. And yes, there are things that are, uh, that we need to question, but make sure you're fighting the right fight, I guess, is the other thing. And in directing your dis- discontent in the right directions. I think that a lot of things I've seen lately too, is a lot of misguided, uh, anger. Uh, you know, like, I think a lot of people are just trying to live their lives. And, and if you want to talk about the system being flawed, yeah, I, I can, I can, I'm on board with you on that. I think that um, we have a great wealth gap in this country that is, is really be widening with the every single day and every single new, you know, cash grab that's, that's happening in, in our government. And that's something to direct your anger to. I, I agree with that. Um, I think that there is inequality, racial inequality in this country, and I think that there is systemic racism that makes uh, our system unfair for some of the most vulnerable populations. And if you want to direct your your anger and your uh, indignation at that, I, I fully support you, because having a fair and just society for everyone is is important. And uh, I will also say though that. Um, I think that uh, I've learned over the course of my life that the way that you say something makes a difference. Um, you know, if you're going to come on somebody's channel and say something in all caps, you know, it sounds a little, it sounds a little crazy. Uh, you know, nobody likes being shouted at. Uh, so that would be my first recommendation. If you want to make a comment, take off the caps lock button, you know, like this, this is a way that if you want to start a conversation with somebody, uh, you don't yell at them that's an easy way for somebody to just kind of put their hands over their ears and not hear what you have to say. And the same is true when you go out, out into the world and you try to make change. Um, if the first thing that you do is yell as loud as you possibly can, I don't know if that's necessarily the way to get people to cooperate. So I, I think that um, I've learned this uh, as a young idealistic person. Um, this is not my first rodeo with idealism. I, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I was 20 or 25 years old once, and I thought that I knew everything, and I thought that I knew how wrong everyone in the system was, and I, I told everyone how wrong they were. And I was humbled many, many times. And I'm sure that I will still 
be humbled about certain things. And, and on some level, I welcome that because that is part of being a human being. And that's part of being open to divine guidance. That's part of the opposite of, of hubris, which is humility. Um, but I've been there and, and lots of young people have been there. But I think that what I've learned is that there are certain brick walls that you bang your head against enough times, uh, a certain way that uh, you have to get a little more crafty. You have to get a little more cagey about your methods. I think that just um, crashing headlong and, and horns first into something isn't always the best way to go about something. And if you can hear my, my dad-like advice here, you know, sometimes you have to be a little bit more patient and, and deliver the message in a way that the person can hear you. All right, so that may be difficult with uh, Mercury and Sagittarius is what I'm trying to say. Um, let's see here. Let's talk about the sun moving into the second decan of Sagittarius. Now that's going to happen at 12.52 p.m. And we're, we're moving into a decan that, remember the first decan was these eight of wands that was basically talking about moving fast and swiftness and speed. This nine of wands is associated with uh, a figure that is standing his ground. He's sustained some kind of injury, but he seems like he's preparing to fight again. Um, this one is called Great Strength in Book T, or Just Strength in the Book of Toth. Austin Coppock calls it the bridle, and he speaks a lot of the union of body and will in this Deccan. So if we find a goal that we that sparks our enthusiasm in the first decade of Sagittarius, we are trying to find the material means or the, the you know, match that will to our, our physical body. And that can be challenging. That's, that's part of the, I think, the mythos of the centaur too. There you have the, f the fusion of intellect, the human side, and the more animalistic motion side of, of the horse, right? The horse's body. So we're trying to move towards something, um, and we have to think about how can we balance out um, our will and our physical ability to carry out that will. Now, there are two fixed stars that are very prominent in this decan. One we've talked about a little bit, but we'll talk about more, which is called Antares, the heart of the scorpion. And then there's another one called Ras Algethi, uh, which is a star in the constellation Hercules. Okay, so we are trying to... Um, one of the things I liked in Austin Coppock's book, 36 Faces, he talks about creating the friction necessary to move towards our goal, to establish fusion between our will and the body. So a lot of times we have to overcome certain obstacles to move towards our goal. And sometimes that comes through being challenged or defeating a nemesis in, in the pursuit of our target. And we, we can grow stronger through, through being tested. So that's the, something we might experience with the the sun in Sagittarius. We have a goal, but we might be tested to see if the, the strength of our beliefs is really uh, sustainable. Okay. It's testing your mettle or your resolve or your courage. Let's talk about Antares a little bit because that, that is a, a really important fixed star. It is in the constellation Scorpio. And I'm going to go over to the star chart to show you what that looks like here. So here we are on December 1st. And we've got the constellation Scorpio here, and you can see that the sun is very close, and Antares is right here. It is a very red star. Uh, 
it was described as having the nature of Mars and Jupiter. Um, it was also called Scor Scorpii or Scor Scorpio, which is the heart of the scorpion. The Persians called it the, um, the Watcher of the West. It was a royal star of Persia that was associated with um, some of the cardinal points, or one of the cardinal points, I should say. Uh, and in this case, the, the fall equinox. It was the ancient autumnal equinox point. And uh, the, I believe the, the Persians also called it the Star of Yima, which was the god of the dead. So we have death associated with this fixed star because this is the time of year where the, the sun is uh, diving below the, the celestial equator and the days become shorter. Um, this fixed star is associated with obsession, with seeking intensity, with ruthless passion, militant ferocity. Uh, this was the scorpion that in mythos was said to have killed o Orion or Osiris or Horus, if you're going back to the Egyptian uh, mythos. Now, here, here is an interesting thing to think about. Here we have Orion on the southern hemisphere. Now, I deliberately, I'm sorry, on, this, on the, western, sorry, sorry, the western side of the sky. All right, this is where the sun will usually set, okay? And I deliberately put this at, at daybreak because when we see, uh, when we see Scorpio rising, okay, when it, it is, so here, I'm just going to give you a visual on this. So see how as we move forward, oops, as we move forward, Scorpio, that gray line is the horizon line. And Scorpio appears as Orion is setting. Okay, see that? And this is an important concept to understanding myth and understanding meaning. See how that? So the, the ancients thought that the scorpion was chasing Orion and was killing Orion. Like it caused Orion to disappear under the horizon. So if I put the horizon back in here, for those of you watching along in the video, uh, you can see, oops, not daylight. Come on now. Get it together. There we go. Now we've got the horizon here. So you can see that as the scorpion is appearing, okay, okay, there's the scorpion on the horizon, okay, Orion has disappeared. He's gone into the underworld, right? And this is this is important to understand. Okay, so when we're dealing with the sun conjoining this fixed star, and I'm going to get rid of this again, the horizon again, we're trying to, uh, we're consolidating some of this scorpionic poison. All right, we are, uh, there is this parable that uh, is, is um, a story, which is a story that has underlying meaning. Sorry, I'm, I'm fading a little bit here. I'll, I'll suck it up here and get through it. I think I've got too much turkey and stuffing still being digested from yesterday. But there's a parable of the scorpion and the frog. And the story basically goes that the scorpion wanted to cross this great river, and he comes up to the, the, the bank, and there is a frog. And he says, frog, I'd like, to, uh, you know, I'd like for you to take me across the, the river. And the frog's like, I don't know, you're a scorpion, you will sting me, and 
I'll die. I, I'm scared. I don't want to take you across. And the, the scorpion's like, I, I won't score. I won't sting you. I promise. I, please just take me across. So the frog's like, okay, I'll take you across. And as they're crossing the river, uh, right in the middle of the of the river, the scorpion stings the frog, and uh, this the frog is is terribly hurt by this and terribly upset and feels betrayed and was like scorpion what why why are you doing this why uh you know and the scorpion's like this isn't this is my nature and of course they both drown you know so uh i would i would encourage you the, the lesson we can glean from that is um sometimes when we are trying to enlist the help of others or when we're trying to achieve something if we are too intense we can cause the whole thing to, to go down in flames or to, to drown, so to speak. And we have to really make sure that we're not being intense just to be intense, that we're not arguing just to argue, that we're not creating self-undoing through inappropriately pursuing this ruthlessness, okay? Uh, you know, Bernadette Brady talks about this being one of the fixed stars that has a particular nemesis to overcome, and, and some particular, uh, you know, pitfall that we have to avoid. And in this case, it, it is ruthlessness, intensity, too much passion. If we can overcome that, this fixed star can grant great power and great wisdom and great success. So my recommendation when the sun is on Antares is take the middle path. You know, utilize that passion, but try not to be so intense that you're going to to hurt people around you. Um, this, this particular fixed star uh, I, during some of my research for a, another class I was in is right on Michael Jordan's moon. Now, if you're familiar with Michael Jordan and you watch the documentary, The Last Dance, you could see that Michael had a, a very much a, a very intense demeanor and he was very hard on his teammates. And some of it brought him success and some of it really rubbed people really the wrong way and created uh, quite a few uh, very strong enemies. And you could argue that he had a lot of success, but ultimately uh, success is measured in different ways. And yes, Michael Jordan won a lot of championships and he, and he did a lot of really interesting things on the material plane, but we have to balance that out with our spiritual learning as well. And sometimes we have to ask ourselves if that that mission or that goal or that drive is is worth it. And, and a lot and we see this with a lot of people at the tops of their field. I'm not saying that you shouldn't strive for greatness. I'm saying that there's always a cost. And uh, sometimes it's very lonely at the top of a field because you've you've uh, damaged a lot of relationships along the way to get there. And this is something that I learned through my experience in the music industry and it was just something I wasn't willing to do. I was not willing to uh, burn every bridge or, or to uh, damage all of my relationships in the pursuit of being the best. I was tempted to. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I definitely um, am an intense person and feel uh, an obligation to do things to the very best of my ability and to, to achieve excellence. I have that in me. Uh, but at the end of the day, sometimes you, you have to um, make some compromises to maintain balance in your life. And I think that that's one of the things that is really taught in a lot of spiritual traditions is 
is trying to uh, achieve balance and moderation. I know that was one of the stories of the Buddha was, was he lived a, a life of an aesthetic, ascetic, which is someone who renounced things. And he lived a life of someone who was very wealthy. And he, and he ultimately, at the end of the day, the middle path was what he preached after meditating under the, the Bodhi tree. Okay. So I would encourage you on Tuesday with all of this full moon energy, with all of the know, feeling like you might have to do everything at once or feeling overwhelmed by all the options that you have uh, just to, to relax a little bit. And you, you don't have to eliminate all the options permanently. It just means that you might have to let go of some things so that you can move forward with one chosen goal right now. You know, that, that's the thing with Gemini Sagittarius. Sometimes you have to just figure out what is essential for moving towards the target and, and put something else on the back burner, you know, and, uh, you know, be, do it gently because th that'll help you to move through life with a little bit more uh, grace. All right. The other fixed stars that we're seeing on this day are associated with Venus. And here we see uh, Venus being uh, associated or, or coming into projected ecliptical degree with the stars of Acrux or of crux, this constellation down here, which was concerned with the cross of matter and bringing things into being, into form. And if we go above the ecliptic, we'll see uh, the fixed star Alfeca, which is part of the corona borealis or the flower crown. So we have two constellations that are fairly far off the ecliptic, generally, you know, you know almost equal distant. So we're dealing with like themes of being gifted social status or power, okay? Remember Ariadne was the, 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 uh, the princess that helped, uh, I believe, Theseus escape the, the maze of the Minotaur. And they, he took her with him off of the Isle of Crete, but then abandoned her. Uh, and she was rescued by Dionysus and became his bride. So there is these qualities of, of you know, maybe uh, being granted some kind of status and then feeling abandoned or feeling the price of that power. Like some people call it the, the crown of thorns too, because we can be gifted with something, but it may have a, a catch-22. Um, so that's associated with Alfeca. So we, since this is Venus, we may be... Uh, receiving some kind of status that we need to make sure that we are uh, game for, that we are up to the task, that, it, that we have to consider any drawbacks that it may entail. We may be glamorizing things like royalty or eminence or, or social cachet. Um, we may be desiring something like sovereignty or, or commanding power. So think about those things on this day. And think about with Acrux, uh, we may be receiving uh, material resources for our project. We may be receiving something like patronage or receiving payment for your art, or, or we may have earthly or earthy aesthetics that we are dealing with, with these, this set of fixed stars and acrux down here. So those are some of the themes that we're going to be dealing with on Tuesday. Let's move forward to Wednesday. On Wednesday, December the 2nd, the moon is going to start off in Cancer. We're continuing our full moon phase. Um, the moon has just escaped the bond late Tuesday, so we should get some clarity as far as what some of the themes of our 
full moon letting go of is going to be uh, dealing with. Uh, the moon is going to make a sextile to retrograde Uranus at 1 p.m. at 7 degrees of Cancer and Taurus. And the other thing that we're dealing with on Wednesday is an antitia between Jupiter, I'm sorry, between Mercury and Saturn. So you can see here, Mercury has moved into Sagittarius and the first few degrees. And remember, antitias were mirror images of either the, the solstices and the counter antitia were mirror images of the equinoxes. So we are at the winter solstice point here at zero degrees of Capricorn. And we can see that we have equal daylight at about one or two degrees Sagittarius that we do at 28 degrees Capricorn. So on December 2nd, there is an equal amount of daylight as there would be when the sun is in like mid-January or something like that. And they were said to have equal power and they, they had a secret relationship. They were like mirror images of one another. So this may be a, a point in time Wednesday where you're starting to feel the weight of responsibility, the weight of some limitations. Maybe you have, uh, maybe you tried to uh, enlist some help through your enthusiasm and you feel like you were rejected or something like that. That could be something we could be experiencing with a, a Mercury, Saturn, and Tisha, where we're really kind of maybe dampening some of those spirits and that enthusiasm and really having to see that this is a, a long-term thing that we're having to deal with and that, that we can't just um, have everything that we want right away. We have to really dig deep for our endurance. All right. So that's Wednesday, the second. That's It's a little bit of a, a less astrologically busy day than the first two days of the week. So let's move forward to Thursday, December the 3rd. All right, on Thursday, December the 3rd, the moon will be in Cancer, continuing our full moon phase. Remember we, uh, you know, according to Dane Rudyar, we have like these 45 degree sections of moon phases. Now, I do believe that the Hellenistic authors used a slightly different uh, type of moon phase thing. Um, but I like Dane Rudyard's eightfold moon path, so I've been sticking with that so far. I reserve the right to change my mind later. But the moon is making a trine to Venus at 2.42 a.m. at 14 degrees of Cancer and Scorpio. Uh, it will then square Mars at 8.28 a.m. and then trine Neptune at 9.32 a.m. Um, we only have one other lunar aspect. It'll oppose uh, Pluto later in the day around 720 or so. Now, the big news on Thursday is that we have a Mercury-Jupiter Antitia. So we can see that we, we are separating from the Antitia between Mercury and Saturn and coming into a secret conjunction between Mercury and Jupiter. So after we've come to terms with our limitations, we may start to feel again like we're uh, starting to expand our options again. Sometimes when we let go of options that aren't serving us, we are flooded with new opportunities. We're, we're flooded with new communications. Um, I recently had an experience with this where I uh, was letting go of another, you know, some work with associated with some of the music that I used to do and the music teaching. And I automatically received some communications about some astrological opportunities. And I've really been noticing that when we fully commit to a path, that 
spirit brings us opportunities. If you're meant to be doing something, uh, I think the universe wants to support it. And a lot of the times what is holding us back is really just being all in or being committed to it or our fear that if we let go of something that we will not have any opportunities in the future. And it's very difficult to pursue opportunities when um, you're holding on to old, old ones. So I would encourage you to, to let go if you can, because uh, something good is going to replace it. And I, I think that we're constantly evolving. We're constantly shifting. Some of the beliefs that I have now are not the beliefs that I had when I was 20. Some of the beliefs that I will have when I'm 50 are not the beliefs that I have now when I'm 40. And if we constantly are able to be uh, flexible and constantly able to be open uh, to new information, new wisdom, new experiences, okay, then we can flow with those times and we can find uh, purposes and goals to move towards that are more of a reflection of who we are and the wisdom that we have now rather than trying to continue those past selves, those past identities. And it's really liberating, I will say. It, and I will take, it's okay to take time to mourn an old self that you may have been attached to. There's good, always good things that were happening. It's not that everything was bad. It's just sometimes things have run their course. And it's just sometimes that something's time has come due and it's time for you to move forward to something else. And I, I, would, I would encourage you to give yourself permission to do that because it really can be a, a huge weight off of your shoulders when you do that. Now, on Thursday, December the 3rd, uh, Venus will be conjoining the fixed star Zubin El Janubi at 15 degrees of Scorpio. Now, this was the, the more difficult um, star in the pair. Uh, of, of course, there was it was a pair with Zubin Eshamali. And this was the one that was the southern claw or the southern pan in the scales. And it was called insufficient price. It was associated with paying your dues, merciless punishment, harsh justice, a difficult verdict in a relationship, potentially, if we extrapolate it out to Venus. You could be feeling like you're giving too much without reciprocation. Now, just be patient with that because the awareness of a, a place where you're giving too much will eventually help you to rebalance the scale once Venus hits Zubin al-Shamali roughly a few days later. So it's okay to, to, to have a feeling where you feel things are out of whack. Um, you know, like last week I, I, I had some feedback that was, you know, fairly, fairly harsh when Mercury was conjoining this fixed star. <laughs> like, so I was like, I, you know what I did? I said, I took a time out. I said, oh, there it is. Isn't that interesting that uh, Mercury is on Zubin El Janubi and this uh, merciless, you know, punishment was, was forthcoming or this message of, of somebody who really felt strongly about their position and wanted to change my mind on something. So I thought that was really interesting. And, and, you know, I'll take that even further. When Mercury moved forward to Zubin uh, El Shamali, I got some really nice comments from, from people and some really interesting, positive feedback. So I, it's, it's just really a, a good exercise to see how it's playing out in your own life and pay attention to the actions and start making the connections with the astrology as you go along. And a journal is really great for this. And I highly recommend this. So be... Uh, aware 
that just from Thursday through like Sunday, there may be some adjustments that you have to make in your relationships and how you attract people, how you create harmony in your relationships. And it's, it may be frustrating and there may be some struggle involved because Venus is in its exile. Okay. Venus is in the house of Mars. Uh, again, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about, you know, the hair metal we're talking about. Like we have art music, but we have these like really like, you know, these, these guitars that are like wielded like weapons, like swords, you know, like phalluses. <laughs> like, and uh, it's just, it's just so funny. We, my daughter and I watched uh, School of Rock last night because I think we're both on a little bit of a Jack Black kick. She's like, let's watch a Jack Black movie. And she hadn't seen that. And that was the perfect Venus and Scorpio movie. It was like, you know, you know, the, 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 um, the punk rockness of, of music and, and the, the rebellion. Okay. Like the saying, ah, oh, we're going to stick it to the man kind of thing. That's, that's Venus and Scorpio. You know, that's like, we're, we're create we're unifying over this like rejection of something. Do you see that? They came together as a group because they were saying, we're not going to be controlled by the man, you know, and they had the songs where they're like, step off, you know, <laughs> That's, that was funny. So I enjoyed that because Jack Black is just a, like I said, he's a nat national treasure, um, a ball, a ball full of energy. And he's got quite a bit of charisma. And some of that charisma just comes from being just, you know, crazy and, and uh, <laughs> dark sided, but, but you, you can't help but, but look at it and watch and be entertained. All right. So that's what's going on on Thursday, uh, December the 3rd. Now let's move forward to Friday. On Friday, December the 4th, the moon will move from Cancer into Leo at 7.52 a.m. And we will begin the disseminating phase. So this is the time where we're starting to be able to eat the fruit of the full moon eclipse, okay? <laughs> Whether it's a, and it may not be a tasty meal, but we're going to start digesting what we experienced, okay? Um, and we may be able to share anything that we've learned from that eclipse. Uh, the moon is going to oppose Jupiter and, and then oppose Saturn in the morning hours. Um, and then once it moves into Leo, it's going to make a trine with Mercury at 4.51 p.m. and then a square to Uranus at 9.37 p.m. So only some lunar aspects on Friday. We may start off the day having some difficult feelings about growth versus uh, decay, about what has to be let go of in our life. Maybe we have some challenges with our domestic life and, and our professional life that we have to reconcile. And then once we the moon moves into Leo, we, we may be feeling some some enthusiasm, or maybe wanting to share uh, messages of, of a new identity that we are coming to terms with after we've let go of some old thought forms. Uh, but that may cause some, some shakeups with the square to Uranus uh, in, in Taurus. So just be careful that your new identity, your new, uh, your, your ability or your attempts to try to put on a new, a new mask or a new persona uh, don't create too much disruption in your in your material reality so that can be something that we have to to keep an eye on all right well, let's move forward to a friday oh that is friday sorry let's move forward to saturday let's finish this thing up all right on saturday december the 5th 
The moon is going to be in Leo in the disseminating phase. We're going to see a trine from the moon to the sun. So harmony of the lights on, on Saturday the 5th. 9.40 a.m., an exact trine at 13 Leo and 13 Sag. And then we'll see a square from the moon to Venus in the afternoon hours uh, and a trine to Mars eventually uh, in the early evening. Um, so only one difficult aspect, but it might be one where we get a little bit stubborn uh, as far as how we are cooperating with others. Try not to, to get too prideful about what you believe and what you want to do and, and how you how you do a mission. This is the danger with, with Mercury and Sagittarius. Uh, you got to be, you can have a goal, but you got to be flexible with the, the methods. The, the gift of Mercury is, is an ability to, to use your skill set and flexibility in the skill set. Mercury was the master of many types of arts. And if you get too fixated on one way of doing something, that can lead to some suffering and doing things in a much harder way than you would, you would have to do it. Now, the, the main uh, non-lunar aspect on Saturday the 5th is a trine from Venus to Neptune at 11.52 p.m. So this may be a time where we're feeling uh, a little bit uh, like we're trying to seek some kind of uh, uh, salvation potentially through our partners. Like we're fantasizing about a relationship or we're idealizing a relationship. We may be getting nostalgic because the second decan of Scorpio is, is about memories of the past. So we may be overly idealizing the past, fond remembrances, right? Um, Neptune is, of course, the planet of illusion and where we may tend to lose some steam and want to, want to leave this, this physical plane. So we, we may be trying to escape some of the difficulties through our romantic illusions. So just be very careful about codependence becoming having the wool pulled over your eyes in a certain relationship or over-idealizing your partner or your belief systems. Um, you know, this could be where you're trying to seek ecstasy with blind devotion, uh, where you may be feeling the intoxication of love. Is something too good to be true is what you should ask yourself as well. Uh, you know, and, and intoxication is important because Venus is in a, in a place where we're actually trying to let go of some old habits and relationships. And if we just get intoxicated by these old memories and these old ways of doing things, these old ways of seeking pleasure, uh, that's going to lead to suffering. Um, and, uh, you know, like I've said in the past, we can't avoid pain, but we can, we can alleviate suffering by, by not doing things, making our lives harder than they need to be. So try to keep your feet grounded. Maybe, you know, a healthy way to use this energy is maybe watch a movie you know, go, go to a land of enchantment is what we like to say in our household. There is some healthy ways to escape things. Maybe it's through art. Maybe it's through an interesting TV show or, or, or creating something interesting like a, like a drawing or, or a piece of music or something like that. That could be, you could be inspired towards that. Maybe you could let go of the past through an artistic vision. Okay. Like sometimes, uh, the catharsis that comes along through like creating through writing or art or journaling can help us move on because it helps bring us clarity. A lot of times we will get to that point where we have realizations from our higher self when we're doing our art and we get out of this like very rational space and we get into the, the more mystical space. So this is a very mystical combination. But again, I would caution you not to uh, get caught up in, in uh, illusions based on outdated uh forms okay 
All right, let's finish it up with uh, Sunday. And moving on to Sunday, December the 6th, the moon will start off in Leo and move into Virgo at 2.46 p.m. We are continuing the disseminating phase of the moon. Um, we have one contact here with a fixed star. So you remember I talked about earlier in the week, we have Venus conjoining the two stars in Libra associated with the, the pans, okay? Like the pans of the scale, okay? So we are having Venus conjoining the fixed star Zubin El Shamali, uh, which is the Northern pan, which is called sufficient price, mild justice, mercy. We've fulfilled our obligations. We've restored balance to the relationship. We may be having mercy on our loved ones after, after pointing out all the flaws or the things that weren't working. Uh, maybe we've got a more favorable verdict. This could be associated with forgiveness. So if you have some relationship challenges that came up earlier in the week, things might be restored to their right proportion with the, the conjunction with this fixed star at 19 degrees of Scorpio. All right. That's what I've got for this week. Looking ahead to next week, we are going to be seeing a last quarter moon on Monday, uh, December the 7th. Um, we are going to see Mercury conjoin Antares. We'll talk about that. Uh, we will see a Sun-Neptune square. Uh, and then we're going to have a Sun-Mars trine at the end of the week. So those are kind of the big hits. We're just going to be in the middle of an eclipse period, which is called the Bardot period, kind of this liminal space where everything's kind of up in the air. So if you're feeling a little bit destabilized, um, just, just recognize that everything is in flux and a new chapter is, is beginning. Uh, the old chapter is ending and something new is coming along and we're going to have that new moon solar eclipse on December the 14th and we'll get some clarity. So sometimes we just have to be comfortable with the ambiguity and not knowing all the answers. And I think that's a really good approach to take as we move forward towards the next week. Um, I hope that you're doing okay out there. I do care about all of you. Even if we disagree, I hope that you're gaining some benefit from these uh, these forecasts. I really am trying to, to provide a service for you by breaking down these symbols. I can't help it if some of my own belief systems and opinions filter into it. I am only human, by the way. And, uh, and uh, it's, I, I just, uh, I really am saying these things because I care about you. I care about my community and I want to see everybody remain safe and to have uh, the best experience possible. And I, and I know that's tough. And I know that we're going through some tough times right now, but really what I'm saying are, is from a place of caring and of, of really of, of love. So I hope that you can hear that if you disagree with me. And I hope that you're continuing to stay safe if you've been doing all of the social distancing things and whatnot, because I do think we will get through this. We just have to be patient, delay some gratification, and look out for one another. And I encourage you to do that as we move forward. So uh, take care, everyone. If you like the work that I'm doing, please uh, hit that subscribe button, hit the like button. Uh, if you want to leave a monetary donation, I do have a PayPal me and a Venmo account that is linked to these videos. Of course, the best thing you can do is reach out for a reading. I have uh, some space to do some readings uh, that's coming up. And if you need help and guidance through this eclipse period, I'd be more than happy to do that. I'll include a link. Uh, I have some, my normal business hours are Monday and Tuesday for readings. But if you need a different time 
or a different arrangement with payment or whatnot, feel free to reach out and email me at spencermichaudastrology at gmail.com. All right. Take care, everyone. Be kind to one another, and I'll see you the next time. Peace.